Good morning, Reach Church. Good morning. All right. All right, so those who are heading to Reach Kids can head out now. Otherwise, here we are. So uh, we are continuing in our series, Everyone Needs a Friend. Last week, we talked about uh, David and Jonathan. We talked about this really intimate, personal love that these uh, two friends share. That as they are connected and worshiping uh, the one true God together, that they are connected and they, are, they become uh, intimate partners in faith. So, today, we are looking at another oddity of friendship. Today, we are looking at how friendship has to do with rebuke. That actually, friends are made to rebuke one another, oddly enough. And if we look at the words of Proverbs, we see, Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. So what is that saying? It's saying if you're going to choose between hidden love, for love to be obscured, for love to be hidden, uh, it's actually better to have open rebuke. Because that is actual love revealed. It's not hidden love, it's, it's active love, actually. And the faithful are the wounds of a friend, profuse are the kisses of your enemy. That actually, if you are a faithful friend, you are willing to, to show them the things they need to be shown. But our enemies are the ones who are flattering, who are just uh, trying to get on our good side so that they may manipulate us or, or use us in some way. But a friend, a friend is not like that. And so today we're talking about rebuke. Going to one another and revealing each other's sin. Now, I recognize that uh, that's not something we want to do. And as we talk about uh, being called to do that, um, maybe it, it's kind of unsettling. It feels like, okay, you're calling me to be legalistic or judgmental or to just be a downer. That I'm going to people and revealing their sin to them. That's, that's the opposite of what I want to do. That actually seems like the opposite of love and grace. I think as a culture and as a church, we need to think differently about what it looks like to reveal sin to one another. To challenge each other and to actually see that not as a, a form of, of hatred or of judgment, but actually as a form of love. As, as actually one of, the, one of the vehicles for loving one another in a friendship. Rebuke. So today we're looking at uh, the most classic rebuke in the Bible and the relationship between David and Nathan. Nathan the prophet. And we're going to see uh, three main things in this passage that have to do with, uh, with friendship and rebuke. We're going to see, first of all, that friends are actually uniquely equipped to rebuke one another. That this relationship actually uh, has the building blocks for, for doing that. Secondly, we're going to see that, that rebuke makes sense in friendship because friends are willing to love each other sacrificially. And that's what it takes to, to actually be willing and able to rebuke one another. And third... That because friendship is kind of this long-term covenant relationship with another person, a vow to be with one another, after the rebuke, a good friend can actually stick with you and walk with you after the rebuke and, and through the consequences of it. So I'm going to challenge you guys that the act of rebuke is an act of love. 
and that God actually loves us by revealing to us our sin. And he does that especially through Jesus Christ. All right? So let's jump into this. Let, let me pray. Father, we, we praise you that you are a father who, who disciplines and that you give us a friend in Jesus Christ who rebukes and who reveals to us our sins. Father, I ask that uh, by the Spirit you might use your word to speak to us. Would you give us a soft hearts and ears that are open to hear that we might love each other well in a way that might seem contrary uh, to our natural inclinations, but is glorifying to you and to the gospel of Jesus Christ. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so let's turn to 2 Samuel 12, verses 1 through 15. 2 Samuel 12, verses 1 to 15. So this is Nathan's rebuke of David. Nathan rebukes David. <coughs> 2 Samuel 12, verses 1 through 15. Let's read this. The Lord sent Nathan to David. He sent him. And he came to him and said to him, There were two men in a certain city, the one rich and the other poor. The rich man had very many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing but one little ewe lamb, which he had bought. And he brought it up, and it grew up with him and with his children, he used to eat of his morsels. And drink from his cup and lie in his arms. And it was like a daughter to him. Now there came a traveler to the rich man. And he was unwilling to take one of his own flock or herd. To prepare for the guest who had come to him. But he took the poor man's lamb. And prepared it for the man who had come. Then David's anger was greatly kindled against the man. And he said to Nathan. As the Lord lives the man who has done this deserves to die. And he shall restore the lamb fourfold. Because he did this thing and because he had no pity. Nathan said to David, You are the man. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I anointed you king over Israel. And I delivered you out of the hand of Saul. I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your arms and gave you the house of Israel and of Judah. And if this were too little, I would add to you as much more. Why have you despised the word of the Lord to do what is evil in his sight? You have struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and have taken his wife to be your wife and have killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Now, therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord, behold, I will raise up evil against you out of your own house. I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor he shall lie with your wives in the sight of the sun. For you did it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel and before the sun. David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to him, The Lord also has put away your sin. You shall not die. Nevertheless, because of this deed, you have utterly scorned the Lord. The child who is born to you shall die. Then Nathan went to his house. Alright, this is, this is a no-joke passage. And this is, this is rebuke, and this is actually the saving of a life. This is, this is an act of love. So let's jump into this. Friends are called to rebuke friends. Friends are called to rebuke friends. And first of all, they're, 
called to rebuke friends because they have this unique relationship that qualifies them to rebuke one another. So what is this relationship between Nathan and David? Oftentimes, this is the only thing that we remember Nathan doing in the Bible. But he actually appears in other places. It's not, he doesn't just swoop in and kind of drop this bomb and then leave all of a sudden. That's not Nathan. So where else does Nathan appear? Nathan appears in 2 Samuel 7, just a few chapters before. And it's through Samuel that God offers the covenant with David. God vows that he will never leave or forsake David, that David's throne will be established forever. An eternal rule because of his, his great love for David himself. So there's this horrible message that Nathan has to deliver. But before that, was probably the, the greatest message of, of love and care that Nathan also delivered. And Nathan actually will come up later in the story throughout David's life. They are kind of united together. They are, they're ruling together, the prophet and the king. And they don't just share like, this, this horrible experience. They've shared the good, they've shared the hard, and they've shared the bad. And that's necessary for rebuke and for friendship. That as friends, we have shared the good. We've rejoiced together. We've, we've worshipped the Lord together. Real friends have shared the hard things, the suffering. And then third, you get to share the sin, the bad things. And it should always be in that order. That you have established this relationship. And friends have done that. And are equipped to rebuke one another. And they rebuke him when they see sin. When they see sin. Now you only get to rebuke for sin. Let's just make that very clear. You don't get to rebuke one another because you don't like what you're wearing or because your friend's embarrassing you or you wish your friend were, were different. No, it's only for sin. That, that's, that's the only reason we're rebuking one another. You can state your preferences, but those are, those are voices' preferences, not rebukes. All right, I don't know. I, maybe I have to say that. I hope not, but uh, I do. I said it anyway. So, uh, <laughs> all right. So, uh, all right. So we have a friendship between Nathan and David and... Uh, do we have sin? We have sin. All right. So what did David do? Um, David was the king. He, he got kind of lazy, stopped going to war. And he sees this woman, Bathsheba, and he decides that he wants to take her for himself. So by his kingly authority, he, he takes her, has her sent to his royal palace, and commits adultery with her. Then he sends her away. She comes back reveals that, that she's actually pregnant. And David, to cover that up, tries to trick Uriah, her husband, into impregnating Uriah, or into impregnating Bathsheba. Uh, Uriah doesn't do it, so Uriah uh, is murdered on David's, David's call. And then he actually takes Bathsheba to be his wife and treats it like nothing happened. All right. There is sin here. There is sin here. Let's, let's, we can check off that box. There is sin. And so Nathan is sent as the mouthpiece of God. As the mouthpiece of God, Nathan is sent. Because the Lord has a message for David. And when we rebuke our friends, we are sent by God. 
We're not sent because we're upset or because we're prideful or because we're self-righteous. It's because we're doing the Lord's work. And we're called to do the Lord's work. And so Nathan, as this voice of God, is sent to him. Now, well, how is this different than, than what the world might say? All right, oftentimes, when we talk about honesty between friends and, and the language of rebuke, uh, the world would say, well, you're supposed to be really honest with your friends. But it's a different kind of honesty. It's the honesty that, that if David came to Nathan and said, you know, I, what do you think of my new wife? Then Nathan would be like, oh, like, do I tell the truth? Do I say what I actually think? He's given me this opportunity to tell him I need to be true as a friend. All right, that's good, but that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about going to your friend who is blind to the fact, who doesn't ask you for help, isn't asking for your opinion, but you see sin and you're going to go tell them about it. All right, it's, it's a whole new level of not just honesty, but pursuing your friend and revealing their sin to them. That is what we're talking about. The real, real honest-to-goodness rebuke. All right. But when we do it, we do it as a friend. And how is it different when you're a friend with the person? It's, it's personal. It's tailored to the person. And it, it's built upon a foundation of, of a covenant that you are, you're going to support them no matter what. So when Nathan goes to David, what does he know about David? He knows that this is a shepherd king. That this is a man who has the reputation for having a heart for the Lord. A love for God. This is also a, a warrior, yes, but also a, an artist. That David is a, is a soft-hearted person. A sensitive guy. And yet he's blind to all those things. And so Nathan, knowing David, rebukes him in a certain way. He rebukes him in this way. Verse 1, the Lord said to David, he came to him, there are two men in a certain city, the rich one and the poor one. He sets up this story that it's a division between this man who, who loves his lamb, another one who just apathetically decides to kill it. And what is, what is his response? Verse 5. As the Lord lives, the man who has done this deserves to die. He shall restore the lamb fourfold because he did this thing, because he had no pity. Now, why is, this, why is this such a great rebuke? It's not just coming to him and revealing his sin to him. It's, it's catering to David's own heart. To what David loves. David actually, he loves justice. He loves the heart of God. He loves the law of God. He knows it. And he, he sees the injustice and, it, and his heart is broken by it. The problem is that those things are, are disconnected when he's in sin. He's not seeing the heart of God. He's not seeing what he's done. He's not seeing what justice looks like. But Nathan is still appealing to it because he knows his friend. And that's where when we rebuke, we, we appeal to the things in our friends. We know them. 
We know the, the desires of their hearts, the things that they profess to believe and yet aren't living according to. And so when we rebuke a friend, we are able to tailor it to them. We know their background. We know their history. We know the things that they love. I, I, saw, I saw an example of this um, the other day. Saw two people, one, one rebuking the other. And he was able to appeal to the things he saw in the other man. Things that were, were good things. And he was able to list them out. It, it was almost a, an encouragement from the beginning. That you're good at this, this, and this. But actually, those things make you inclined to, to this other sin. And, and the guy could only say, you, you're, you're right. It does set me up for that sin. You, you know me. And you can speak into this. That's how rebuke should look. Have you ever, and if, uh, maybe you've never done this, but I've rebuked people that I didn't know that well. And you always look like an idiot. Like, oh, like, you've been really, you've been really cranky lately and, and kind of disrespectful. Like, oh, like, my, my dad died three days ago. And he's like, oh, like, no, you shouldn't have said anything. Like, you leave it to friends. Right? Or they, or they reveal this huge sin pattern way in the background that you've, you're only touching the surface of this huge glacier-sized sin. And they need a lot more than just your silly little rebuke. Right? You need to be friends with these people. You need to be friends with them and, and know them and tailor it to them. That's what this should look like. And that's what Nathan did. And it was a beautiful thing here. But even at its best, at its most beautiful, at its most caring, rebuke is rebuke. And we don't like doing it because it, it's painful to the other person. And it's also really dangerous for, for the rebuker as well. They're sticking their neck out. And who knows what they're going to be doing with it. So that's where we have to be ready to take the fallout for this. That if you're going to rebuke, you, you have to recognize that you're carrying your cross. You're willing to suffer and, and sacrifice yourself for the other person. Which takes us to our second point, that friends are uniquely able to rebuke because they actually love enough to do it. They love enough to do it. Look at what Nathan has to say to this guy. Verse 7. Nathan said to David, You are the man. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I anointed you king over Israel. I delivered you out of the land of Saul. I gave you your master's house, your master's wives into your arms. I gave you the house of Israel and of Judah. And if this were too little, I would add to you much more. Why have you despised the word of the Lord to do what is evil in his sight? You have struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword. You have taken his wife to be your wife. You have killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. There's no good way to do this. This is painful. This is Nathan like sticking him in the heart and, and twisting. Rebuke is hard. And we don't want to do this. 
would, what is Nathan potentially setting himself up for? He's saying to this to the king of Israel, he could be, he could cut off, be cut off his, his friendship with David. That's probably a small hat. He'd be exiled from all of Israel, cut off from his people. Nathan could have his head cut off for rebuking the king. This is dangerous. And this is pretty aggressive and this is um, this is no easy task. And so why did Nathan do it? Why did Nathan do it? Because he loved his friend. He loved his friends and he knew what would happen if he didn't. And that's where we have to change our thinking about this. That rebuking someone is an act of self-sacrificial love. It's love. Because what is sin? What is sin? Sin is death. Sin is poison. Sin is destruction and it's going to kill us if we let it fester in us. It's like cancer. It's like cancer. So if you saw cancer in someone, you don't say to yourself, well, they probably don't want to see it. I don't want to hurt their feelings by pointing out they have cancer. The surgery is probably going to be horrible. They're going to have to take chemotherapy. Like, no, you tell them because otherwise they die. It's, it's as simple as that. That's what sin is. When you see sin in your, in your friend, they're dying. There's poison within them that needs to be cut out. And so, does chemotherapy suck? Yes. It is miserable. It takes you to the very edge of death that these cancer cells might die and, and you remain alive. But it is love. The treatment of it hurts, but you're saving your friend from death because sin is death. With that in mind, I, I have to ask, what keeps you from rebuking your friends? What keeps you from, from being able to do it? Is it self-protection? Is it laziness? Or is it that, that you value your friendship too much? Maybe it's that you, you've minimized sin and, and not made it a big deal. and Oh, it, it's fine. It's, Jesus will take care of it. It comes down to a lack of love. That when we don't rebuke, we don't love the person enough to do it. We're not willing to, to pick up our cross and tell them and potentially be crucified. We'd rather love ourselves. And that's why I would encourage us to, to love your friend. Save them from the poison within them. Save them from sin. Tell them. Pick up your cross. Be like Christ. And, and love them. Okay. Third point. Third point. Last point. Uh, the thing that uniquely makes you also able to, to rebuke your friend is that you're going to stick with them afterwards. That if, if some random person just drops in, throws some rebuke at them, and then pieces out, they don't suffer for it. 
But if you rebuke your friend, you actually suffer as a result. Because then you have to walk with them through the results of that. That you have to mourn with them. You have to help them get out of their sin. You have to jump into that muddy hole and, and hang out with them in it. And drag them out the other way. And so that starts with verse 13. Nathan said to David, The Lord has put away your sin. You shall not die. That if the person repents, then you remind them of the grace of God. And that's, that's your role as the rebuker. It's to remind them of the grace of God. That Christ is, is gracious and generous with repentant sinners. You owe that to them. You don't get to just leave them sorrowful and, and drowning. But then, then you have to walk them, with them through the, the messiness that results. And that's where grace cleanses us from all the consequences of sin in the world to come, but not, not in this one. And so there are still consequences for sin. And you as a friend are responsible to help them through that. Look at verse 14. Nevertheless, because of this deed, you have utterly scorned the Lord. The child who is born to you shall die. He has to deliver that message and, and walk with David through the fact that, that David is going to lose his first son. And David is destroyed by this. If, you, if you're willing to rebuke, you need to be willing to, to love in the midst of it. To walk after the aftermath and, and pick up the pieces. But then we see verse 15. Then Nathan went to his house. I, I wish this verse weren't here. Then Nathan went home. He pieces out. He's just like, okay, like, and that's where it's like, uh, no, like, that's not how it's supposed to end. But that is how it ends. And at first I was like, okay, like, the, maybe I can't use that point about you need to stick afterwards. Because Nathan doesn't. He goes home. And that's the weird part about this, this passage is that even after this passage, uh, David's sitting all, all by himself. And it even says, like, he's, he's, like, sitting at home. And then he goes over to the temple, which they, they call the Lord's house. And he's sitting at the Lord's house. But then David has to go home. That everyone's really isolated in this story. That the ideal of the friend that sticks with you all the time isn't met in this story. Even God is in his own house. You have to go visit him. He's not always there. And I, at first I found that really depressing. It was like, well, so is Nathan just not that good of a friend? Is he not sticking close? Maybe, maybe we're not called to do that. But as I looked at it more, it's that, that Nathan is not supposed to be this, this grand triumphant figure. That Nathan doesn't get to be the, the end all be all. Because Nathan can't do it all. Nathan is not going to stick with David until the very end. He's not going to walk with him through every single trial. He's not going to be there to rebuke him every time. 
He's not always going to be there to encourage you about the grace of God. And that's where you, you don't need a Nathan. You need a Jesus. You need a Jesus. That Nathan is merely a mouthpiece for God and that God fully exemplifies his friendship in Jesus Christ. Jesus is the true friend. Jesus is a better friend. Jesus is the only friend that actually does this perfectly. He does rebuke. So how does Jesus do this, this perfectly? How does he do it perfectly? First of all, he knows you. He knows you. Perfectly knows you. He has seen everything you've ever done, everything you've ever, ever experienced, and he knows the sin that needs to be rebuked right now. Because you have a million of them. I have a million of them. We all have millions of them. And he knows the one that, that you need to hear. And he has this sovereign plan that he's going he's gonna to tell you when you need to hear it. At the perfect time. Through the perfect means. Even if it's through some stupid television show. Or, or a song on the radio. Or a passage you've read a hundred times. He's going to use it to rebuke you at the right time, in the right place, in the right way. Because he knows you well enough to do that. Secondly, he's the only one who has this self-sacrificial love. That we're all hesitant and, and we don't want to hurt people's feelings. We don't want to put ourselves in danger. Well, Jesus, Jesus loves us in spite of all that stuff. And he's going to tell us what we need to hear out of love, not what will please us. And he's willing to sacrifice. He already did. He sacrifices to love us and to cleanse us, to draw sin away from us. And thirdly, Jesus is always there. He's always there. He will walk you through the aftermath he will walk with you every single step of the way. That by the Spirit, he's going to stick closer than a friend. And he's going to be encouraging you along the way that you have found the grace of God. That the cross guarantees the grace of God. You will not die for this. You will not die in your sin because Jesus already did. If Jesus is truly your friend, he's going to be reminding you of that every single step of the way. Is Jesus your friend like this? Do you have a relationship with Jesus that he can rebuke you? That he can show you these things? That he can cleanse you from sin? Do you want that kind of Jesus? Do you hate sin and want to be cleansed from it? Do you want your eyes to be opened? Because he'll do that. He will love you in that. All right, last, last question. Do you trust Jesus to rebuke you and to carry you through it? Do you trust him to be that friend? Have you learned to love the rebuke of the Lord? Are you ready for it? Do you, do you look for it? 
Do you trust that rebuke is love? Until, until you get this, it, it, it doesn't matter. And that's why I, I can't say it. I can say it a million times, but rebuke is love. Our culture will tell you that it's not. That you just need to, you just need to accept. You just need to leave people in their sin. Jesus isn't going to do that. And we shouldn't do that either because we love people enough not to do that. Let's pray. Father, you are not the God that we would create in our heads. If we were creating an idealized version of you, you would be a genie, not, not a God. And you would put up with our sin and not, not cause us to change, but you are God and, and you know better than we do. You know what we truly need. And we thank you that you give us the friend that we need in Jesus Christ. That you give us a friend who will cleanse us from sin, who will walk with us through the consequences of it, who will self-sacrificially love us to cleanse us from sin. We thank you for the cross of Jesus Christ. We thank you for what you've done by it. You've cleansed us from sin and you have accepted us and you have called us friends. Father, I ask that we would not be scared of sin that we would not be scared to talk about it, that we wouldn't be scared to, to reveal our sin to one another and bring our sin before you because we have found a Savior. We have found Jesus. And thank you that all of our sins are cleansed, that there is nothing but grace for us. Free us from the sin that, that destroys and help us to be friends that would, would save one another from it as well. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.